1973, two Mississippi men claimed to have had an encounter with a UFO, aliens, and were even abducted. While one decided to report the incident, one wanted to stay quiet. Today, we'll tell the story of Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker and their fascinating alleged incident with extraterrestrials. We'll talk about who they reported it to, the responses they received, and why this story may be more credible than most abduction stories we've covered in the past. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you thought aliens generally avoided doing abductions and testing in Mississippi due to the confusing and limited gene pool, stick around. Turns out they actually do. This is Necronomapod. I always have trouble remembering the UFO shows that we do, but I feel like it's been a long time since we've had like a good one where we were all like, yeah, that might've fucking happened or at least mm-hmm. unanimously. I think there was one we did not too long ago where Dave and I didn't believe it, but you did Ian, but I don't remember what that was. It might've been Terry Lovelace. I think I maybe like 75% believed his initial story. But then what was that called? Was that a Sunday show or a Patreon? I think that that was a Sunday one. Wasn't what's like the story. That's not the name of the story. What's that's just a guy, Terry Lovelace. Um, Was it the Terry Lovelace abduction? Maybe. I don't even remember that. What happened to him? Him and his friend were abducted while they were camping. Similar to this. I remember that. It was called the lake. Was it the lake or something though? Yeah, something. It might have been that. Yeah, it I know what you're talking about. Yeah, for the abduction. Yeah, like I believed his initial story, but then mm. his thing turned into a saga afterwards. Of these guys get carried away, I think sometimes, and they they get addicted to the fame, the the rush, and they're like, all right, I got to embellish and come up with part two here. I think that there's a little bit of all of that possibly in this story, but it's I think it still may. It's realism still kind of hangs there throughout it. And then maybe at I the end, you, right. you can go either way. We're kind of having our wrap-up conversation at the start, <laughs> but we're mixing things up today. And Betty Andreessen did the same thing. I, that's where I fell on her story, too, is I, I believe her initial aca- encounter. But then once it turns into this lifelong saga of mm-hmm. things and you start being told that um, there's a purpose for you or, you know... You were chosen. You're buying your own fame story. Yeah. Yeah, it gets a little silly. And you're really damaging your your legacy. Because no one's everyone's gonna go back and discount your you know, across the board that none of this happened. That's one of the reasons I believe in Travis Walton's story. You know, there's a bunch of reasons why I believe, but that's one of them is that he's never Never straight. Never went on that whole journey where He's abducted every so often. Never changed the story. Right. Always stuck to it. Just this is what it was. I don't know why it happened to me, but it did. Believe I, it or not, whatever you want to do, but this is what happened. And all the guys that were with him that night, same thing. It's a good point. And if these guys did kind of manufacture this story, they went about it giving you enough to think 
like there's a little bit of both. Like there is a little mm-hmm. bit of that. This might be a little silly, like what's happening. And then there's the other, the other part from, you know, kind of like the Calvin perspective where it's like, you didn't want any part of this. Yeah. But there's no extreme absurdity. Like the guy, you know, chopping up grays with his sword and no, it doesn't get, it doesn't get ridiculous. Mm. A little bit more of that, like follow you throughout your life type thing. But even then, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it when we yeah. get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's in Mississippi. Is this our first Mississippi show? Mm. Might be. I apologize for my uh, very rude <laughs> opening. I'm just playing. Well, Declan wrote it. But I'm he? saying. Didn't, didn't Declan wrote it for you. That's didn't right. Yeah, Declan it. wrote it. Declan! <laughs> Everyone in Mississippi's not like that. Stop it. Diversity training for you tomorrow morning. He should probably have to do a written apology and post it on the socials. <laughs> the state of Mississippi. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. He'll work on or, it yeah. tonight after he edits the show and gets it ready to post. So about three o'clock this <laughs> in the morning, he'll, he'll work on that. It'd be nice to keep a list. Like, I wish we did have kind of a, a list back of, uh, like, I wonder if we've covered, how, how many states have we covered on our show? We've done a ton of Ohio, obviously. Now Mississippi. But, you know, it'd be interesting to see, like, what major topics. I'm not talking, like, when we do our news shows, Florida man type stuff, yeah. but most we did alaska right yeah have we done a hawaii one I don't yeah know. Did honolulu we? strangler yeah was that a sunday show yeah okay i don't remember that one i thought it was a patreon one mm. so anyways that'd be interesting to see maybe How, maine we've never done maybe i can't think nothing in maine comes nothing in rhode island but there's a listeners lot out them. there who have kept a list of all of my college nicknames. They went back and listened. I'm sure somebody <laughs> out there has a list of all the states we've covered. <laughs> I don't know if we've, have we done the Dakotas? Maybe an alien I, one? I don't know. A good question. I'm not sure. Not that I can think of. Oh, yeah. Mike the Ho Filler. They talked about that <laughs> in, uh, you know, February 20. 20- yeah, that's all there. Oh, we've done like all the Pacific Northwest, I believe. Well, Ted covered a bunch of those, right? <laughs> yeah, Ted Ted was all over the place. Yeah, but I wouldn't count that as talking about the state. We would have to either pick, like, he's either, like, Florida or, like, where, um, you know, like, like either use a birthplace or, like, where, like, they were charged. So somebody operating a multi-state can only get one. There can be only one. I don't think I would count it hmm. if there was just a couple kills okay. in, like, Georgia, but then most were in Florida okay. or something like that. But I don't know. There's no rules. I mean, if we needed, if we needed to beef up, beef up our list, I'd say, fuck it, cheat. Count it. <laughs> oh, he drove through North Carolina? That counts. <laughs> yeah, if we took that route, Israel Keys would probably just do the whole thing. He was driving Darn. all over the country. There you go. Yeah. But we always consider, like, Ohio hometown heroes just if they're from here. So maybe we just base it on their birthplace. Ah, birthplace. And just use that. Now, it's going to be a little weird, like, you know, you were born in Texas, but then all your killings were in California, and we're talking about California the whole time. So I don't know how that would work. We'll have the attorneys figure it out. While we are busy figuring out this one. So this abduction is, uh, it's one of the heavy hitters in the UFO world. And it's a rare one that more evidence came to light several years after the incident. The night in question is October 11th, 1973. The place is the Pascagoula River in Mississippi, and the two people we're going to be focusing on are 42-year-old Charlie Hickson and 19-year-old Calvin Parker. So if it's a heavy hitter, you as a MUFON member, do you consider this one of the 
uh, entries into the Mount Rushmore of uh, UFO cases. I think so. Oh, wow. All right. Maybe at the yeah. end of the episode, you'll give us our your your Mount Rushmore. Should be four. Okay. All right. All right. I'll think. Give you some time to think about it. Charlie Hickson had known Calvin Parker for most of Calvin's life, and they all lived in Jones County, Mississippi. The Hickson family and the Parker family were super close, and Calvin hung out with Charlie's son Eddie all the time. Charlie would take Calvin and Eddie fishing a lot, and Calvin became more like a son to Charlie. Fast forward to 1972 when Calvin and Eddie were 18. Eddie left to join the Marines, so Charlie was uh, lonely and didn't mind spending more time with Calvin. Like, like we said, he's kind of became a son to Charlie. Then in 1973, Charlie got a job in Pascagoula, which was 100 miles from... Pascagoula? (laughs) 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 Which was 100 miles from Jones County. But he and Calvin kept in touch, and Calvin would drive there to visit Charlie every once in a while, and they'd go fishing or get a beer or whatever. Sounds nice. Calvin was still living in Jones County and had found a girlfriend. He wanted to marry this girl and start a family, And part of that was finding a better job. Calvin had been working as a welder, and it was the kind of job where he was on call 24 hours a day, and sometimes he wouldn't get called at all. So he wanted something more stable. How do you drink when you're on call 24 hours a day? Doesn't sound very fun. No, it does not. How do you do anything, quite frankly? Yeah, that sounds awful. Mm. I feel like you should get paid if you're on call. If I'm on call, I'm on the clock. I should be getting paid. It's... Sounds right. It just hijacks your life. Yeah. That's awful. Horrible. And I guess you could say you're not coming in, but then you just lose the the money. You know, they'll call someone else. Or you just fire fire you. Like, I understand if it's like a rotating, like there's four or five of you and like you each get two nights a week or one night a week when you're on call. That's fine. I still think you should get paid. If you're on call, you should get paid. But. To just have it your whole week. No. That's like that. That's you should never have a life. You never can do anything. Can't do anything. Uh, Boss, I just shot up some heroin. I (laughs) can't come to work right now. I just took some shrooms and a double hit of LSD. You want me to come in and weld something? (laughs) Like even like doctors have the rotation of being on call. And you just don't drink that day in case you got to go do a surgery. Or whatever fucking doctor. Or they just say. get a cup of coffee on the way in if they have to go do a surgery. <laughs> so like uh, the doctor, what's his name? Dr. Michter in uh, Halloween 2. Remember he was at the country club with Lori's parents and they brought oh, her. He's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, give me a cup of coffee, nurse. <laughs> Man, I don't I vaguely he was all right that. though. Yeah. Oh, it sobered him right up. He was good to yeah, go. He was fine. If only it worked that way. So Michael put that uh, needle in his eyeball. <laughs> Some good kills in that one. Real good. So since Calvin wanted that stable schedule and more money on one of those trips to visit Charlie. They were sitting at the bar drinking and Charlie told Calvin that he would put a good word in for him where Charlie worked Walker and son's shipyard on October 1st, 1973 Calvin got a job with the Walker and son's shipyard. And on October 3rd, he was driving to Pascagoula to move in with Charlie and Charlie's wife, Blanche. Um, They were going to let Calvin live there until Calvin could buy a house and then his girlfriend future wife would move down to Pascagoula. It's like a good sitcom, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Charlie and Blanche were empty nesters when their son went to the Marines, <laughs> but Calvin, his childhood friend moved in. 
So they I mean, both worked at the shipyard, and hijinks ensued. If it's Charlie's house, so the show would be called what? Charles in charge. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> Cal- of Calvin. our days and our lives, Charles in charge. <laughs> I only know that from Scrubs. I'm just gonna be honest. Not from the actual show. I couldn't even tell you what the show is. I just <laughs> oh know it from Scrubs. <laughs> it's Chachi's show. When Blanche, Golden Girls. Mm. Was Chachi a sp- from? Uh, he was from Happy Days. Happy Days, right? yeah. a spinoff. Yeah. Did that have the most spinoffs of any other show? It wasn't a spinoff. It was just hit the guy from Happy Days. Oh, it wasn't the same character. No. Oh, uh, he was Charles, not Chachi, <laughs> <laughs> and he was in charge. Was Charles. Okay. <laughs> Nicole Eggert was on that show. Man, what a smoke show! I assumed it was like the old uh, Cheers Frasier type thing, mm. or just a, a complete spinoff. Joni loves Chachi. That was a spinoff. I don't think that did very well. And oh, Laverne so he and Shirley, did have, he did have a show. Yeah, Joni loves Chachi from Happy Days. Yeah, Laverne and Shirley was from Happy Days. Yeah, I didn't know that. What were they on Happy Days? Or who was, was one of them on? I don't it? remember. So that's two. I wonder what other shows had like as many spinoffs. You don't really see that anymore, anyways. They tried the theory. The Big Bang had that Sheldon show. Oh, yeah. Well, in Better Saul, Call Saul. And then they tried to do it with Dwight from The Office. And they started teasing it on the show when they brought in like his family and they bought the farm. But then they, they axed it. Didn't do it. I'm glad they didn't do that. I wouldn't have wanted to see that. Frasier was very successful, though. Like that one on almost as long as Cheers did. Frasier was a good show. Yeah. And Cheers was a good show. Cheers was a good They show. did well with that one. Mm-hmm. That's got to be tough to do because if you're doing a spinoff, it's probably because it was a very popular TV show. You're trying to strike it again. Standards are always very high at that point then. So anyways. I'm trying to think of something else. I don't don't know. Was there one from uh, MASH or no? There was some sort of MASH spinoff. Oh, wasn't there a spinoff from Archie Bunker? Archie Bunker's place when Edith died and Archie had the bar. Yeah. Jefferson, Jefferson, that's what was it, a, yeah, that's what I meant. The Jefferson the family spinoff. So Archie got his own show then after that, or was it just a continuation of All in the Family? It was called Archie Bunker's Place. Oh, it was a whole new thing. Yeah, and then and then the Jeffersons, Jeffersons. was the spinoff from that. Was there was Good Times part of a spinoff, or was Good did Good Times have a spinoff? Mm, I don't know. Good Times was a good show. That was a really funny show. Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it's good times. That's good. So towards the end of the workday on October 11th, 1973, Charlie asked Calvin to go fishing with him. Calvin really wasn't feeling it because of the bugs, but Charlie talked him into it. They clocked out at 5.45 p.m. and together in Calvin's car, they drove to the Pascagoula River. Remember, Calvin really wasn't familiar with the area at all. He just moved down there. So the fishing spots they went were all familiar to Charlie. Calvin said that they stayed at the first spot for about 15 minutes. Then after they didn't get any bites, they moved. At the second spot, they weren't getting any bites either. So Charlie said, let's move again. Uh, He was like, I know of the spot where a grain ship comes in and grain spills off. The fish hang out around there waiting for that grain. We can try there, but they would have to drive. Calvin recalled that he was irritated. Like, let's just hang out. Who gives a fuck if we really catch any fish? Like, let's just, you know, hang out, relax. It's about sitting and drinking some beers, not necessarily catching fish. But he just went along with what Charlie wanted to do. 
Well, the Cleveland show spinoff of family guy. <laughs> I'm going to be doing this the whole episode. I'm, I'm checked out at this point. I'm just going to be thinking about this. So. <laughs> I'll pop up when I get something. <laughs> As they were sitting there fishing, Calvin noticed some blue lights out of the corner of his eye. His first thought was that the cops were checking out his car and he was pissed with Charlie. Like you talked me into coming into this spot. We weren't supposed to be here. Something along those lines. Well, small town Mississippi cops in the backwoods. I never heard of them doing anything bad, so it's the worst that could happen. <laughs> We've never done a show about something like that. Mm. I've never heard of a movie called Mississippi Burning before where they slaughtered people. <laughs> no. 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 That movie doesn't exist. <laughs> you talpatized it. <laughs> Calvin and Charlie both watched as the blue lights kind of circled the area and stopped over the water directly in front of them. Both men said at that angle, the blue lights were like two headlights on the front of a silver metallic object that was shaped like a football. The object was hovering a few feet off the water, completely silent. The water wasn't disturbed at all. And as they were looking at the object, both men realized that everything was silent. All the noise of the bugs, background noise of just the world in general, everything stopped. Sounds wonderful. <laughs> Eerie, but wonderful. Well, and that's, you know, we've heard that before with Rendlesham Forest. Remember when they got in a certain range of that UFO that was just chilling there, everything stopped. Yeah, I wonder if time stopped, if everything stopped. Well, in that case, their watches stopped. Mm, Rendlesham Forest. Yeah. Silence. Golden. I found a whole site that lists uh, <laughs> spinoffs, stuff that I didn't even know. Family Matters was a spinoff from Perfect Strangers. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. I remember that. Uh, there was, I, I just saw it. The Cosby <laughs> Show had a spinoff. Yeah. A Different World. I think that's what the, the kid, their kids went to college or something. That Yeah. And this will be the last one I saw. That was called The Pudding Diaries, where you put some roofies in pudding and... <laughs> the Facts of Life from Different, different strokes. strokes. Yeah. Um, There was one more good one I saw. You take a good, you take a bad, you take them both, and then you have The Facts of Life. <laughs> the Facts of Life. <laughs> oh, Daria from Beavis and Butthead. Remember the cartoon Daria? Yeah. Is that from Beavis and Butthead? I, she was one of their classmates, huh. I guess. Yeah, she was like a, just okay. a side character right. just chilling. The bionic woman from the Six, Six Million Dollar Man. Man. Yeah, Lindsay Wagner. That was um, a good show. And Angel, which was a spinoff from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I don't mm -hmm. know that show. There's more, but I'm not going to get in. We, we hit the big ones. Someone <laughs> probably listening is like, they didn't fucking say this. So I was trying to touch on the big ones. but Laverne and Shirley was a Happy Day spinoff, right? I'm just making sure because I said that earlier. Oh, I don't. I didn't scroll through that entire. Oh, list, I thought it was. All right. Well, you talk, and I'll again <laughs> sit over here and yeah. Google. We'll edit it out later if, yeah. if it was wrong. That's an interesting thing about the the watches stopping. Like you said, maybe time stopped. Mm -hmm. There's there's a solid group of people that believe that aliens are time travelers. That they're not aliens at all. They're just what we would look like in the future. What we've evolved into, that's what the grays are. If it turns out there's not life on other planets, then maybe that makes sense. Yeah. I think that there's that's probably not true. You know. Seems unlikely. Yeah. But Impossible, it's an interesting but yeah. It's an interesting theory. 
As they stood there watching, something on the craft opened up. They couldn't tell if it was actually um, a door or what, but a blinding white light started to come out of the craft. Calvin specifically said that it was like using his arc welder if you didn't have a face mask on or something. Like it was just bright as fuck. Yeah, it hurt your eyes to even look at. Three humanoid beings came out of the craft and hovered over the water for a couple seconds before gliding in front of Calvin and Charlie in the blink of an eye. The gliding stuff makes it creepy. Just over the water. Just like when Jesus did it. (laughs) Creepy, man. Did he glide or did he walk? Well, same thing, right? No. Kind of looks like you're gliding if you're walking on water, no? I don't know. I like to think like you, you can, he's walking. It's almost like he's walking on a puddle, whereas gliding, you're hovering over it. All right, well, I, I, I like Jesus is better, to be honest. I like the picture of gliding. It makes it even creepier. Okay. I think walking and gliding got, you know, in the Latin to Greek over the years. <laughs> King James Bible. Oh, got changed. The original translation, he was gliding. <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. As long as he really turned water into wine and not oh, fucking like iced tea. Yeah. Like, no, motherfucker, I want wine. They said that these beings were between four and five feet tall, but the fact that they were hovering could have given them an extra foot. These beings didn't have legs, or at least ones that Calvin or Charlie could make out. Calvin and Charlie both later said that if they had legs, it was like they were holding them together very tightly. Hmm. Regarding their skin, the beings had gray skin that was really wrinkly. They said it was like an elephant skin. They had really broad shoulders and no neck. Calvin and Charlie both said that their heads were bullet-shaped, and they couldn't tell if the beings had eyes, a nose, or a mouth because the skin was so wrinkly it just kind of looked like a head. (laughs) The beings had what appeared to be spikes where their ears should have been and one spike where their nose should have been. Sounds more like a Hellraiser character explanation description. I like these UFO ones that are so unique. It's like, yeah, it's different. They're not copycatting this from anywhere. Right. It's not that cookie cutter uh-uh. story. Right. Could it have been like a disguise type thing that they were wearing too? Like, has that ever been discussed with like, aliens coming down like the perhaps they were wearing masks or something that maybe you just weren't identifiable or recognizable by whoever they were abducting just to change their appearance should they ever come back they won't be recognized as the ones who did it maybe they went yeah. to spencer gifts up in space and like get these spikes for your ears put those on let's <laughs> look creepy here wear this wrinkled old man mask <laughs> It's probably like Super Troopers, Mississippi sheriffs or something (laughs) fucking with them. I think it's also there's that whole idea of how your mind perceives (laughs) things. Like Jacques Vallée, the UFO researcher, brought up the idea that um, it's such a shock to people that sometimes people perceive them differently. Like your mind can't really comprehend it. Um, He brings up in a lot of abduction cases that people report seeing just something really odd, like a huge raccoon. I think that was part of mm. the thing or like a big possum or something. And then the next thing they know they're being abducted. And it's like your mind trying to comprehend something and you just see whatever pops in. Oh, maybe it's something you've never seen before that kind of defies the laws of physics. That's not right. It's not 2d. It's not 3d. It's, indescribable right 
in your brain. That's what your brain makes it. Yeah, and it just registers whatever. That makes sense. Dave, you were uh, correct on the Laverne and Shirley. Oh, it was good. a spinoff, yes. I thought so, but then I was uh, second-guessing myself. Confirmed. I don't want to jump the shark like uh, <laughs> Fonz. <laughs> was that Happy Days? Yeah. Or was that, I didn't know if they made like a Fonzie spinoff. Yeah. Jump the shark and water skis in a leather jacket and shorts in the water. Yeah. Some would say our show is Jump the Shark. <laughs> <laughs> like right now at this point. This is the moment. <laughs> Two of the beans went for Charlie and the other one went for Calvin. That's when they noticed the that's when they noticed their hands. Calvin said that these beings had pincher like hands like a lobster. <laughs> the being touched Calvin on the shoulder and he felt a sting that only lasted for a second before he went completely numb. The same was done to Charlie and the beings lifted both men off the ground and floated them over the water mm. into the object. Kind of reminiscent of the Spock pinch, no? I am not familiar. Remember I Star didn't Trek? watch Star Spock Trek. could just like pinch your shoulder and knock you out. It doesn't sound like they knocked them out cold, but. I've never seen Flight yeah, Spock could just put his hand. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the fuck out of here. <laughs> Isn't there a Vulcan death grip or something? Is that a thing? Or is that just something I made up from wrestling? Vulcan death grip. That sounds familiar. That does sound familiar. Maybe it's a wrestling move. <laughs> Spock would have been a good wrestler. He just touches your shoulder. You're out cold. Vulcan's one of those movies, right? Star well, Spock's a Vulcan, yeah. Oh, okay. That wasn't a joke. I didn't know what Vulcan came from. I knew it was one of those Star Trek movies. I thought it was called the Spock pinch, where he puts his hand like, like right here in your shoulder blade and... You're out cold. So could I have been right with a Vulcan death grip? Maybe that's uh, another name for it. I remember it as the Spock pinch. Vulcan death grip was a fictitious Vulcan technique invented by Spock. But his, it, it's like a mind melt. It's when he grabs your face. Oh, okay. Yeah. I recall that It's like one. the claw that mm, fucking. Nice. Uh, oh, who used to do the claw? God damn it. Kurgan? He did um, before him. He trained Triple H. Oh, Killer Kowalski. Yes, I believe he did that claw to your face. Yeah. All right, so look at me. <laughs> you did a Spock, Mike. I did a cinema knowledge. <laughs> Once they were inside the craft, Charlie and Calvin were separated. Calvin was led to a small room where the wrinkly skin being laid him on a table that was in the middle of the room and then propped it up to a 45-degree angle and then that being left. A moment later, a glowing blue box hovered into the room. Calvin said that it was about twice the size of a deck of cards, and it circled around him, stopping every once in a while. When it stopped, Calvin said that he could hear a series of clicks. Then it would start circling again. Almost like it was taking a picture of him or something, like four or five clicks, and then it would go around. Weird. Blue box. What is this? Smurf pussy floating around <laughs> the blue box? <laughs> Smurfs. I forgot. <laughs> Brought that back into your life. I guess so. <laughs> Calvin said that this happened about four or five times. Then another being walked into the room. This being was more like a typical gray, but it had a human feel to it. Calvin said that it gave off a reassuring vibe, while the wrinkly skin ones were very machine like. Calvin said that he heard a hissing sound. And then a voice popped in his head that said, quote, don't be afraid. This is interesting because it's 1973 that this is happening. 
um, it's not really common knowledge within the UFO, that whole abduction phenomena, where there's a being that has more of a human feel to it. That's really common. And that's the whole idea with the hybrid thing is that mm. they want that. I think that was Terry Lovelace's episode we were talking about where he said <clears throat> that they want our soul. They don't have one, but they want it. That makes it even more scary. Yeah. But we've heard about the kind of the worker bees and the kind of the two different classes of aliens before. Yeah. Yeah. And that started with Barney Hill. That's what he recalled in hypnosis mm. In hypnosis. He recalled that uh, he compared them to Nazis with how they moved in unison and stuff. But then there was a mm. taller one that it's seemed charged. Yeah. And was more human like. Mm. Meanwhile, in another room on the craft, Charlie was laid on a table like Calvin was. And when the wrinkly skinned beings left the room, a device detached from the wall and started to examine Charlie. This device wasn't like the clicking blue box that Calvin had. Charlie said that this one looked like an eye with some kind of crystal in the middle. Once this eye device was done examining him, the two wrinkly skinned beings came back into the room and grabbed Charlie and guided him off the craft. Back over the water and grabbed Charlie and guided him off the craft back over the water to the riverbank. As the beings put him down, he looked over and saw Calvin was already on the bank, but he was frozen in terror. His arms were outstretched and his face was frozen in like this kind of scream expression. Like the girl in the closet in the beginning of the ring? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that. That's creepy. <laughs> Charlie's paralyzed state wore off almost immediately, and he said it was like his legs buckled and he fell flat on his face. Telepathically, Charlie heard something along the lines of, quote, we are peaceful, we meant you no harm, followed by a zippering sound in his head. Then the object disappeared. Calvin was still standing there, frozen in this terror-type state, so Charlie ran over and shook him until he mm. snapped out of it. Putting his wrinkled uh, alien wiener away with his <laughs> zipper, that's what he heard. That's the last thing you hear when the priest's roofie wears off, too. Zip. Priests don't wear jeans under their little <laughs> fucking cloaks come on pal they're no better than that they're not gonna make extra noise that's a good point mike i just assume they're commando under there but i don't know you gotta be ready to go at all times just dick flapping in the wind this is also another example of an argument that people make in the ufo world it's like is this insider MUFON knowledge what we're getting into right now? Uh -oh. No. Oh, okay. This is B -b 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 breaking news. <laughs> uh, insider. <laughs> they um they compare it to like tagging an animal. Like when we go out and we find some animal that is never not used to people at all. So not like mm -hmm. a deer or something, just some random animal, I don't know, whatever. Some kind of bird. Right. And we tag we grab it, tag it. And put then, the little RFID tag on its ear. Or right. And then send it back into the wild. That bird trying to explain it to other birds would sound crazy to the other birds. He'd be like, yeah, I got drugged. They like fucking stuck this thing in me. I fell asleep. I woke up. They put a tag on other me. Other birds like this motherfucker. Listen, <laughs> yeah. drunk. That is a great analogy, actually. So like when people are dumped off like this and they're like, one of them seemed human. This one, I don't know. Like the bird would be like, oh yeah, they have like this weird skin. They don't have feathers at all. 
they look completely different. I have never thought about it like that, but yeah. Yeah. I like misunderstood I, where you were going with that. And you talked about tagging animals in Mississippi. I just assumed you meant tag teaming animals. <laughs> so I was a little confused on that one. <laughs> oh. oh, people are not going to be thrilled with us. Oh, they don't have internet in Mississippi. <laughs> We live in Ohio, okay? We have to laugh about other states or else we cry about our own. I wish I knew how to quit you. (laughs) We're not doing a good job in Ohio. No, we suck. Which makes us allowed to make fun of other sucky states. Yeah, what he said. It's not like we're a good state, like sticking our noses up. That's right. We suck. We don't suck as much as Mississippi, but we're, we're close behind, though. Yeah. Well, and Mississippi is still better than Florida. Florida, to me, is the worst of the worst. So, you know, we kid because we care. I mean, we're not 55th in literacy like Mississippi, but. (laughs) I like that 55th. (laughs) There's nobody 51 through 54, but they're still just 55th. That's right. (laughs) So Charlie, uh, Charlie helped Calvin back to the car and maybe it was something like the pressure from the ufo but the windows looked normal but as soon as charlie pulled the door handle the windows just shattered everywhere like there was hairline cracks throughout the windows once in the car charlie grabbed a bottle of whiskey out from under the passenger seat and took a big swig as they tried to process what had just happened to them fucking a right i bet they did Charlie, being a Korean War vet, felt that whatever had just happened to them needed to be reported. So he pulled over to a payphone and called Keesler Air Force Base. A woman answered, and Charlie told her a very short summary of what happened to them. And the woman told Charlie that since Project Blue Book ended in 1969, the Air Force no longer looked into UFOs or anything like that. That he needed to call his local police station. She said, we haven't had that spirit here since 1969. Boom. Quote. Ian's like, who said it? Who said that? It was the uh, Beach Boys. (laughs) At that point, Calvin wanted Charlie to let it go. Like, let's go home and forget this ever happened. We don't need to go to local police. But Charlie called the sheriff's office. Would you report that? I wouldn't report that. For what? What are you going to do? The way it's told is that Charlie was like this, you know, him being a Korean War vet, he felt that it was something potentially like another country did something, potentially something like that. If I see North Koreans parachuting into the Pascagoula River, I'll report that. But I'm not reporting aliens abducting me. I would I could see the point of the military one. I wouldn't do the local sheriff's office. No, because if I truly believed what happened to me happened to me. It's clearly above them. So I would probably, I would maybe let the the Air Force know. I could see that. It, in my opinion, it just leads me to believe you want some attention. You see people on the news, like after a tragedy's happened to them or, or like their neighbor's house burned down. Like, why are you out talking to the news? If my neighbor's house burned down, I would tell the news to go fuck themselves. I don't, do you think some people just... Yeah, I don't know. I don't yearn see it. I for don't, that publicity, however brief. No, I don't see it that way necessarily. I think 
if something like that fucked up really happened to you. You want to tell people? You, no, not, not even you want to tell people. You want to report it to the people who you think can protect you and that need to know about it. I think there could be that mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that means everybody who goes to the military or reports it thinks that way. But I could see that if I that happened to me and I was terrified, I would report it to the, the Air Force that was nearby. I don't think going to the sheriff makes sense because then you're, you are going to get. Yeah. You would at least think going to the military, they're not going to want to report it because they're not going to want to cause widespread panic over something. You go to the local cops, they're going to you know laugh at you. Is what I would think. So to me, that that that's not a that's not a turn off to the story for right, me. At that's least. fair. It's not unusual. A lot of people report these things. Well, I'm you, just saying, you, me personally, I don't might think wanna, it's something I would do. You want to feel safe, right? Like if you're terrified, I guess. What who's who could who could possibly help you stop this from happening? Not, not the local sheriff. Not right. the local yeah, sheriff. Yeah. I would be like Calvin in this situation. I'd be like, we need to go home. Yeah, me too. I don't want to, I'm going home. The vibe that I got was like, you know, like you, like a parent started like, cause these two were more like father and son, mm-hmm. the relationship, you know, like when a parent is like pushing something real hard and you're like, dad, you got to chill out, like stop. Yeah. That's kind of the vibe that this gives off. Like, let's just go home and forget about this. I agree. But if that happened to you, what's your plan? Huh? I'm going to go about with my life now. And I'll just never address that again. Like, don't you think that might affect you down the road? Yeah, like, but I don't. How are you? How it, do you just deal with that then? I don't think it's anything that law enforcement could ever. No, no, I'm not do. doing the law enforcement. I'm going just back to like you should at least try. I think with the military, I would. I would think at at the least with that. Yeah, I would go home too. And but then but then what? And then just live with that the rest of your life. And yeah. I'm not challenging. I'm just asking like, yeah. And I then just so. be like, this happened. <clears throat> Don't know what the fuck that was, but it happened. What about the fact that maybe the military knows a lot more than, you know, and then now they can have that in their records. I don't think they would ever let you in on no. what they know. I don't think oh, there's any not. benefit to you. You wouldn't want just to at least have that on the record. I don't think so. No. Okay. I don't get into attention like that. I would just go home. And Again, I but you keep looking at it from a tension standpoint. I'm looking at it as a, you're terrified of what the fuck just happened to you. How do you deal with that and then move on living your life? I'm not saying you get the attention and then you yeah. want the military to say, Dave Namapod came to us and this is what happened. And then you're going to write a book saying, if this really happened and you're terrified, can you just go on living a normal life after that? Yes. You could? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, but I don't I don't see the value in in broadcasting the story to anyone. I don't think there's anything they could do for you. Okay. okay but you keep using words like broadcasting to make it sound like it's going to be out there. If you went to the military, I don't think they're going to put it out there. Like I just don't said. think there's anything they can do to help you. I don't think it matters. And so it'll just be like it'll just be a waste of My time. Little secret. Don't don't say it. Yes. It's not even a worth their time. They're not going to do anything about yes. it. That's my opinion. Okay. Well, like you guys said, with the sheriff's office not really doing anything, whoever answered the phone laughed at Charlie. Whatever. <laughs> Fuck off. That's like yeah, the, the, I agree with you guys. Like I'm not going to local law enforcement yeah, for no. sure. But that's like uh, that's like Rendlesham too. Remember 
when they came in the captain oh, yeah. came in the next day everybody yeah. was yucking it up yeah <laughs> remember that uh that unsolved mysteries remake like that reenactment everybody yeah, joking yeah, around even though they laughed, they said they would send an officer out to where Charlie and Calvin were. About 10 minutes later, Charlie. Barney, Barney Fife shows up. <laughs> Where's this alien I'm hearing about? So Calvin, uh, Calvin and Charlie were escorted to the sheriff's office. Sheriff Fred Diamond sat down and took statements from Charlie and Calvin, which were pretty much what we just covered. They were visibly shaken, and from how it's told, Fred Diamond could tell something had scared the shit out of them. He just wasn't believing this the alien story. Charlie and Calvin left the sheriff's office around 11 p.m., and as they were leaving, Charlie told Fred Diamond, uh, this is something serious I'm trying to report to you right now. Don't Please don't go telling people in town and getting gossip going. I was reading about this, and it was sheriff fred diamond and captain glenn ryder who interviewed him as well like classic names fred diamond and glenn ryder <laughs> come here boy <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go home now <laughs> uh real quick follow-up on andy griffith's show uh gomer pyle had his own show that was a spinoff Gomer Pyle was uh the like yeah he was the local like mechanic I think from Andy oh, Griffith. Yeah. Um, there was also Mayberry RFD after uh, Andy Griffith okay. left, and then Goober from Andy <laughs> Griffith was a re- regular character on the show Hee Haw. Okay, so I don't know if that's considered a spinoff, mm. but that's three right there from one show. I remember Hee Haw. Do you remember Goober the character? He was Gomer's cousin. I vaguely believe. yeah. They all, all well, he at least came from. Surprise, surprise. Is that Gomer Pyle? I think that's Gomer, mm. yeah. What's his name? Jim Neighbors, I think, right? Jim Neighbors, yeah. He was uh, from Indiana. He sang My Sweet Home Indiana or whatever that song is every year at the Indianapolis 500 until he passed yeah. away. You're surprisingly uh, knowledgeable about Gomer Pyle, but it's- I it's, didn't know any of that till just now <laughs> when I'm spewing off this information. <laughs> Apparently, I'm a big Jim Jim Neighbors, Mark. (laughs) Once they got home, neither Charlie or Calvin slept that night. And Calvin was really worried about getting sick. Like, what if they came into contact with some kind of weird bacteria or radiation, specifically radiation? He was really worried about that. Should be worried about radiation. So Calvin threw away his clothes that he was wearing, and then he diluted some bleach and rubbed it all over his body and then took a shower. I read that injecting bleach gets rid of COVID, so that makes sense. (laughs) Story adds up then, right? 100%. When the sun came up, Charlie and Calvin were sitting at the dining room table, not saying anything. They got dressed for work, and once they were on the road, Calvin broke the silence. He asked Charlie if they shouldn't go see a doctor. He was still worried about the radiation thing. Charlie told him not to worry. Charlie told him not to worry and just try to get through the day as normal as possible. They got to work, but after a couple of hours, shit hit the fan. A coworker of theirs, Jim Flint, walked up to Charlie and said, "Hey, there's a phone call for you." Charlie picked up the phone and it was a reporter from Jackson, Mississippi, who wanted Charlie to go on record about their encounter from the night before. Charlie then called the sheriff's office, super pissed, and Fred Diamond said that no one there had told, which was complete bullshit because nobody else knew yeah. uh, it must have been uh, maybe glenn ryder told them <laughs> it wasn't me 
and this is for real. It, it, um, Calvin's book is really interesting. It's, um, it's like almost 400 pages, I think, hmm. but it's 95 pages on the story and transcripts and, and some things. Then the rest is all media clippings, like the news. So as we start going through this about how the newspapers hounded them for their stories, that's for real. More than half of his book is, you know, just the collection of newspaper things. Not that much interesting going on down there, right? But this might even went worldwide, though. Like, Mm. other places started picking this story up. Mm. Jim Flint walked up to Charlie and asked what was going on. Jim could tell that something was off. At that point, Charlie just said, fuck it, and told Jim what happened. Not too long after this, their manager called Charlie to his office. His manager, Oliver Bryant, said that he had gotten a couple phone calls from reporters early in the morning, but now it was getting out of hand, and he wanted to know what was going on. Charlie told him, and Oliver called Calvin into his office. Oliver then called his lawyer to set up a meeting to protect Charlie and Calvin, then sent them home for the rest of the day. That's nice, right? At least they're looking out for him. Solid boss. Solid. Very solid. Go home, boys. You're still on call 24-7, but take the day off. That was the last job you had on call. Well, this one, too. Come on. Let's <laughs> so be there are, Everyone's on call in Mississippi? <laughs> well. <laughs> it's like, well. <laughs> what are they doing? What Wasn't this a factory job? Shipyard. Shipyard. Yeah, you probably don't have to be on call 24-7. No, there's not ships coming in 24 Yeah, there, even probably, a, there probably is. Yeah, but even as a welder, what do you, like 24-7? Is it know. that important? Alert, alert. We have two pieces of metal that have to be welded together yeah. now. Look, both jobs are man's work and yeah. or tough person work, and I don't qualify for that. Yeah, that's not for me. Yeah. I know nothing no, about no. welding anything. No, yeah. No, thanks. Charlie and Calvin sat down with this lawyer who was named uh, Joe Lingo, and Lingo said that they should take a polygraph test. Charlie and Calvin agreed but the sheriff's office didn't have access to a polygraph machine. So they had to put that on the back burner as they were kind of debating the next move. Calvin was like, Hey guys, I'm still really worried about this whole radiation thing that we might have been exposed to. I agree. Smart. I feel like nobody's taking Calvin serious at all. He's guys, come on. He's like, there's the kid and there's the kid in the back. And no one's paying attention. Yeah. And their nose starts falling off. Like, yeah, I told you we got radiated (laughs) motherfuckers. Joe Lingo agreed. Um, Joe Lingo's a great <laughs> name. <laughs> that they should probably go get checked out. So they went to the local hospital. The hospital didn't have any equipment to test for things like radiation. So Joe Lingo suggested that they drive out to Keesler Air Force Base. Maybe if they talked to someone in person, the base would take it a little more serious. Do they ever have any? Well, like, what do they have out there that they need? To test they didn't have radi- the polygraph. They didn't have the hospital equipment. Like Calvin wanted a, a hot shower <laughs> and a piece of toast. Unfortunately, Mississippi had no electricity or running water, so they had to go find somewhere else. When they got there, Charlie and Calvin waited in the car while Joe Lingo went to the gate. A little while later, six men in radiation suits came out to the car and escorted Charlie and Calvin inside. They were tested for radiation, and they were negative. Oh, thank God. At that point, Charlie and Calvin were taken to a room with six other men inside, five dressed in their military uniforms and one in a suit. Charlie and Calvin were asked to recount what happened to them. And at the end, the man in the suit had them sign a paper and Charlie and Calvin went back home. That's their 
version of events. Calvin was hoping that this was the end of it. Um, He was obviously really scared and wanted just to forget about the whole thing. But on October 13th, Dr. J. Allen Hynek rolled into town with Dr. James Harder from UC Berkeley. Hey, Jim Harder, how you doing? (laughs) A lot of porn names in this story. (laughs) Glenn Ryder, Jim Harder. That's true. There is. Mm. Fred Diamond. Maybe this is all just made up just to get a bunch of porn names. <laughs> we talked about J. Allen Hynek. Well, you did. Multiple times. But on the beginning of uh, Betty and Dreesen, we talked about him for a lot of the beginning of the episode. We really covered him. Um, but he was the head of KUFOS, Center for UFO Studies, astrophysicist. Smart guy. Legit. And he was the scientist that the government brought in on project blue book. He ran project blue book. Okay. Um, and then once blue book was shut down, he continued to, to study the stuff on his own and started Kufos and things like that, because he said that there was out of all those cases, there's 10%, like five to 10% that are unexplained. And that unexplained is, you know the sweet spot yeah that like where stuff's happening yeah so he's legit he's got cred he's got ufo street cred yeah james harder was from apro the aerial phenomena research organization and what they came down to after going through everything jail and heineck landed on something happened to uh something happened to calvin and Charlie, he, he genuinely believed them. He couldn't say what for sure. He wasn't going to say for sure it was an alien abduction or for sure it was a, a shared hallucination because that gets brought up a lot with this. But he did believe that something had happened to them. And at that point, it was kind of time to get life back to normal a bit. At least it seemed like everybody was staying quiet uh, Calvin was focusing on his relationship with his girlfriend, future wife. Then one day Calvin sat down, turned on the TV and was shocked to see Charlie giving an interview to a local news station. Uh Oh, to Calvin, Charlie, fame whore <laughs> to Calvin. Charlie appeared to be bragging about what had happened to them and pissed off as putting it lightly for how Calvin was feeling. He even started to suspect that Charlie was the one who leaked the story in the first place, that it wasn't Fred Diamond or anybody at the police station, that it was Charlie that I get set it. this shit up. I get it. That's what I would think, too. Now we're getting to that whole looking for fame thing. Yep. And this story is interesting. This is different than most because now we have you know, Calvin on the side that's like, absolutely yeah. not. I didn't want this. It's like the odd couple. <laughs> yes, it is. The odd couple of UFO abductions. One wants fame. One does not. What do you do? I don't know. What was Charlie's motivation with doing this? Did we ever get to that? It's debated on whether, you know. Right. How you want to look at it, I guess. In between this, um, you know, he Calvin ends up getting married in November, like mid to late November 1973. Um, but in between there, after he saw Charlie on TV doing that interview, he had a nervous breakdown and had to go to the hospital and it was attributed to all of this, the stress from this. Mm. Then in December of 1973, Calvin was still getting bothered by reporters and UFO people 
UFO people do not do themselves any favors from MUFON or KUFOs. They just show up places. You know, we've talked about that before. They just start knocking on doors. Um, Are you going to effectuate change from the inside, Ian, as a member of MUFON so that doesn't happen anymore? Probably not. Okay. (laughs) Asked an answer. (laughs) Is that a word, effectuate? (laughs) I just pulled that out of my ass. Are you going to effect change? Effectuate. I don't know if that's a word. I don't think that is one, is it? I don't know. I'm going to look it up. I think it is a word. Effectuate. I might be wrong, though. I don't know. Either way, he ain't doing it. Put into force or operation. Boom! Effectuate. (laughs) (laughs) Then one day, Calvin got a phone call from Charlie. Charlie had landed them a spot on the Mike Douglas show. Calvin said, fuck it. I'll, I'll do this one with you. Then maybe everyone will watch and then people will leave me alone. Fuck it. I'll do a TV. Fuck it. <laughs> I'll get on a plane and we'll do a TV. <laughs> they flew to Cleveland to film the show. Charlie pretty much took the reins there and Calvin didn't really talk at all. The show ended up airing on December 31st, 1973. But as you could imagine... The show didn't stop people from bothering Calvin. For whatever reason, this story really caught with people. So he ended up joining the Marines in 1974 and just left the area, just got out. So was this a big deal? Like, were the eyes of the nation on him that Mike Douglas was having him on? Hometown hero, by the way. Mike Douglas show originated in Cleveland, Ohio. It was a big story. Yeah, Sounds like it. Mm -hmm. According to Charlie, you know, on, on his version of events, Getting into mid-1974, he was burnt out on the media stuff. Um, and maybe some regret for pushing Calvin over the edge with the nervous breakdown and, and that kind of stuff. Charlie decided that he needed to get out of town, so he went on a hunting trip alone. His wife, Blanche, didn't want him to go out there, um, but Charlie told her he'd be fine. When Charlie came home that night, he told his wife that he had seen the UFO again. Mm. But this time he wasn't afraid at all. He felt calm. So he didn't get abducted. He just saw it. Right. Okay. A month later, Charlie was woken up by a dog barking in the alley by his house. The dog wasn't stopping, so Charlie went out to see what was going on. Charlie said that when he got to the dog, it stopped barking and ran away like it was scared. At that same moment, he heard a voice in his head. It was the same voice that he had heard when he was left on the bank of the river after the abduction. This time, the voice said, quote, you must tell the world we mean you no harm. Your world needs help. We will help in the future. Before it's too late, you're not prepared to understand yet. We will return again. On the night of May 12, 1974, Charlie was driving back from celebrating Mother's Day with his family. In the car was Charlie Blanche, uh, Charlie's daughter, Sheila, her husband, Kenny, their baby, Kenny's brother Ernest and Charlie's two youngest kids. 115 fucking <laughs> people in this goddamn car. Was this I, a big bus? Like, what's happening? I don't here? know. When I read this account, when I was reading Charlie's version of this, I'm like, what is happening? Like, it's like a fucking clown car. They got a yeah. fucking Greyhound to go to <laughs> Mother's Day brunch. Like, everybody just falls out of this fucking thing. This Ford Pino. Plenty of room. Yeah. <laughs> As they were driving, one of Charlie's kids noticed uh, a light in the sky looked. Too bright to be a star. The light started getting brighter, closer, to the point where everyone in the car noticed it. The object, which looked like the one from the river, but bigger, flew silently above their car. Charlie told his son-in-law to stop 
and pull over. And when they stopped, the object traveled a little further down the road, then stopped and hovered a few feet from the ground. The aliens just, uh, they, they, they can't, they can't leave them alone. I wish I knew how to quit you. It's just, they <laughs> love Charlie. They keep coming back. What do you think Charlie asked them when they saw it, Dave? What are we feeling? <laughs> it's probably, of he, yeah, makes sense to me. <laughs> this is very Betty and Barney Hill. You know, I have my thoughts for this. I'll say for the end. This is how it started. Betty saw a star mm-hmm. that started to not look like a star anymore and got brighter. And when they went under hypnosis, the UFO was in the middle of the road, just sitting there. Mm. According to Charlie, the whole family was freaking out, but Charlie was excited. He wanted to meet and talk to the beings that had abducted them. He started to get out of the car, but Blanche grabbed his arm and pulled him back in. Charlie was arguing with her when he heard the voice in his head again and said, quote, there will be another time, another place. Then the UFO disappeared. Later on for TV show purposes, things like that, uh, his daughter, Sheila, and her husband, Kenny, confirmed the story. Blanche also confirmed it, um, but she said that she never really got a good look at the UFO. But besides pulling Charlie back into the car, she kept her face in her hands the whole time. Pussy. <laughs> Limp dick. That's right. If an alien visits you, you owe it the respect to look at it. <clears throat> so Charlie ends up getting um, hooked up with this guy named William Mendez, and they wrote a book together. It's very... Um, like you're going on this adventure, this saga, you know, what this turns into. Charlie agreed for the purposes of this book to undergo hypnosis. He had the hypnosis sessions with a guy named John Krause and Charlie wasn't able to retell or recall the events under hypnosis the way he was when he was awake. Hmm. So when they asked him, um, for example, when the dog when they were in the alley yeah. with the dog that message that <clears throat> popped into his head where you know telepathically right the telepathic message he couldn't remember it mm, or it's weird or put put you know say it under hypnosis mm. so at that point everybody pretty much felt that charlie was bullshitting about all of the things after the initial the subsequent event. stuff yeah because okay. he couldn't do it in hypnosis. You know, the hypnosis was not accurate with what he had been putting down in his book and in his, you know, his encounters, whatever. Had either of them done hypnosis after the initial incident before? They did. And I forgot to bring it up. I had a note and I passed it up in the outline. J. Allen Hynek had them set up to do hypnosis. Calvin did not want to do it. He was like, fuck this. That sounds I'm, right. I'm not doing it. He's done with it. And he got, he ended up agreeing. And his, this is why Jalen Hynek believed that something happened to them. And under hypnosis, Calvin was like terrified. Like mm-hmm. Betty, like Barney Hill, like mm-hmm. Barney was screaming and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. That's how Calvin was regarding this. Okay. Charlie the same. I mean, Charlie was visibly scared under hypnosis too. Not like this shit where he's, you know, can't recall 
But yeah, that's why JL and Heineck believe that something happened that to them. That makes sense. So for this last time, for this book, Calvin agreed to undergo hypnosis again. And his was the same thing again. And he was very scared. Charlie's, like I said, it, it was calm. It was like this peaceful thing, but it was not accurate with what he had been telling people. Mm-hmm. And weirdly, Calvin wrote in his book that he, at this point, actually wanted to talk about the incident with Charlie a little bit when they were leaving this hypnosis session. And Charlie didn't want to talk to Calvin about it. Maybe mm-hmm. Cal, maybe Charlie knew that he was caught a little bit or something, mm-hmm. but he just kind of shut Calvin down on it. And Calvin never claimed to have been revisited, right? No. Just the one-time thing for him, which kind of lines up with a guy that doesn't, you know. I agree. I don't want this to happen to me anymore. And Charlie's like, oh, yeah, this fleeting fame was kind of cool. I'd like some more of this. You know, this is back in the 80s, 90s. Um Calvin went off the grid until 2018. Didn't hear a a single thing from him. Mm. In 2018, Calvin published a book called Pascagoula, The Closest Encounter, which talked about earlier how it's just um, three-fourths of the books is drawings and newspaper articles and different um, transcripts and things. It's a really cool UFO book. The book was so popular that on June 22nd, 2019, their city council put a historical marker on the bank of the Pascagoula River where Calvin and Charlie claim to have been abducted. It's pretty cool. Yeah, good for him. Still waiting for that in our town. Yeah, we, we should get something at this point. It's, you know. It's the least they can do. The, we brought a lot of uh, fame to this town. <laughs> where, where, <laughs> where might that marker go? <laughs> Like oh, in the know. backyard where Ian slipped and fell in mud a few times. <laughs> we could do that. Come drunk. It'll go to the pub in the public restroom up on the square. Yeah, there you go. Behind the pisser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this story, it was a heavy hitter in the UFO world. Um, still is, but it was always really popular. But then it gets really interesting, at least in my opinion, it gets really interesting. In the very beginning, they went to the sheriff's office and sat down with Fred Diamond and who was the other guy? Uh, Captain Glenn Ryder. <laughs> so they sat- Ryder, I barely know her. <laughs> they sat down and like, did a interrogation type thing. They gave a statement. In 2020, a retired police officer who wanted to stay anonymous came forward with a tape. That retired officer was going through old tapes that he had in his possession for whatever reason. And one of them had a weird cut in it. It cut into the night of the abduction. No one knew it at the time, but the whole conversation was recorded. Charlie and Calvin give the account we talked about. But at one point in the tape, Fred Diamond leaves the room and it's just Charlie and Calvin alone. In my opinion, if the original encounter was fake because no one knew this was being recorded. They did not know they were being they recorded. They did not know they were being recorded. Calvin was shocked when this guy came for gave him this tape mm. in 2020. If it was fake, in my opinion, you would say something like, all right, you're doing good. Let's keep this going just a little bit longer or mm-hmm. something or say something different. Like yep. remember to tell him this. But that's not what was on the tape. They were scared and they were trying to make sense of what happened to them 
I mean, as far as proof goes, it's pretty sure it's circumstantial, whatever you want to call it, but it's points to that direction, right? I, They're telling the truth. I I agree with you. It's good kayfabe at the very least. If it if they were kayfabing it, it's that's the way to do it. I'm not saying that's what it is, but I'm saying yeah. that's the way to do it. It's not the opposite. It doesn't yeah. go against what they're trying to sell. I listened to that video. I don't know what the fuck these motherfuckers are saying. I'm it not even not. sure it's English <laughs> that they speak in Mississippi. Because is it? Oh, it's just bad. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's bad it's audio. And not, but this they, was 2020. How is it so awful? Like the the quality. But it was a tape from 73 that they pulled Oh, I'm out. sorry. It came yeah. out in 2020. Yeah. yeah. You can't really hear it that great. But on top of it, it's like. It's yeah. it's not the greatest. So I listened a couple of times. I have no fucking idea what they're saying. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's not the greatest. <laughs> but it's it's interesting. You would think that you'd say, hey, like they're buying it. All right, keep it, keep yeah, it going a yeah. little bit. Or If something. you didn't know you're being recorded, you would expect some of that. It's like Maury when they they take the boyfriend there for the DNA test and they put him in the back room and they take the model and have her sit in there. They put the <laughs> camera on him. Guy acts like an asshole every time. And then they play it in front of the whole crowd and his girlfriend or his wife, whatever. Damn, that's cold. I believe their original encounter. Boy, it sure seems believable, doesn't it? After that, it's silly. Um, yeah. Oh, what's his name? Um, Glenn Ryder. <laughs> no. Fred Diamond. Philip Class. <laughs> Philip Class is a hit this one hard that it was fake. And his biggest thing was that they never took a polygraph test. That never happened. But they didn't have electricity down there. What are they going to do? <laughs> With him. At, they, there's a lot of evidence, though, for someone like Philip Class to dive into yeah and to try to discredit you really hurt your case when you come up with the with the part two and part three stuff sure with the whole polygraph thing travis walton and those guys all took numerous polygraph Mm. tests and philip class still was just like no so nothing they're past there yeah or at least most of them did didn't like one or two guys fail one guy was inconclusive that was one that was real shady anyways right off the bat no one liked him yeah but yeah, I mean, he just said no. You're never going to convince Philip Class. He's just an asshole about it. So everyone knows you just need the pins in your shoes to step on, like Steven Seagal and <laughs> when Night, his partner and Ja Rule and in, in their movie. Holla, holla. <laughs> can, anyone can beat a lie detector test. Come or on, remake a Night Rider. That was good stuff. Night Rider. <laughs> I believe at the very least that they believe something happened initially. I don't think they're I don't think they're being deceiving with their initial story. I think they think something happened. And I, I'm I think I believe that something did happen. Something. But then after that, yeah, I don't believe the hunting story. I don't believe the dog barking story. And I certainly don't believe the family story. I think he just kind of whipped them into a frenzy with years and years of telling them what happened and then freaking them out kind of eyewitness accounts though the whole family was there of what though like a bright star light yeah i mean i just i don't know there's much there i mean according to them they saw the whole fuck the ufo was just sitting there hovering over there yeah in the middle of the street Maybe they saw their first McDonald's. The Golden Arches. <laughs> I don't have a lot of those in uh, Mississippi. Maybe they saw the Golden Arches. 
only they experienced that. That would have been. If only. Can you imagine like that first bite of a, those, those French fries, that mm. quarter pounder with cheese, the Big Macs, the nuggets. Oh my God. I'm so hungry <laughs> now. Why are you doing that this Uber to Eats, me? pal. Somebody I just recently saw posted something about a Whopper on, on Instagram. And I was like, great. Now I want a double Whopper with cheese, mm. side of onion rings with zesty sauce and a Dr. Pepper. It's the go-to order for Mike Namapod at Burger King. <laughs> yeah, so I think we're all on the same page. Like, we kind of believe the the initial thing happened, right? I believe something happened to these guys. I don't know if... Or at least they believe... They believe... They're not being deceiving in their initial no. story. I don't know if aliens visited them or if they got a hold of the wrong stuff <laughs> right. from a crackhead... <laughs> <laughs> but but certainly something freaked them the fuck out that something night. freaked them out yeah i see shared psychosis gets brought up a lot mm-hmm. it's possible i mean that, that's a real thing so yeah. you know that could be they it could for have been sure. just fucked up i don't know but i you know and if they believe that it actually happened like you can't hold it against them and be like oh you're fucking liar you piece of shit you're trying to get famous <laughs> yeah. no like they believe something happened whether they did yeah. a drug or something actually did happen. It's real to them. I mean, Charlie. Perception is reality, pal. It absolutely is. Charlie went to all the, like, the UFO conferences and told his story. Is he a superstar? So, yeah, I mean, he went to every one of them. And did he tell all of those stories? Yeah, his whole saga. Mm, he, wow. Until the day he died. So he made money off this. He got paid. I mean, how much are you making, though? I don't know, but I mean, you're getting a pay. I, yeah. mean, I don't know what the I you would know better than me what those conferences kind of pay. Free days in room and a twenty five dollar per <laughs> deal. <laughs> Fucking hell of a deal. Does it come with a breakfast, dude? I <laughs> would hope so. I want some of those dry scrambled eggs and some uh, you know stale fruit. If you saw how Mufon's <laughs> website is ran. There's not a like, lot of money in the, who's throwing in the these conventions <laughs> though. Like if there's if there's it fits a big convention, they might be paying some people. You make me stay in a day's in. You better be giving me some powdered fucking scrambled eggs for free in the morning. Look, if you're all telling me that's the day's in, I'm not showing up to that conference. First of all, I'm not. I'm just not going to do it. Remember the Richard Doty documentary Mirage mm-hmm. Man. Remember that UFO conference? It was in like this real dingy, I do remember that darkly lit hotel. That's what we're, we're not talking about, like convention centers, really. Okay. We're talking like guess, a real sketchy sense. fucking Like, I guess I, I think about yeah. some of these wrestling conventions where, like, they're huge things. No. And guys are getting paid, like, thousands of dollars. Like, they're making their fees to show up. It's not the same. No. Mm. Is there any that are, like, big time? Like, if you get asked to come to this, you're going to get probably paid. A MUFON does a yearly one, but it's not, like. Nothing huge. No, you're not getting paid. Can you get us in for free? Yeah, I was just saying, well, how do we get a show there? Let's get a show yeah. up. You're an active member. Yeah, I'll try. I'll see what I can do. I thought membership has its privileges. Well, That's but, American but we're Express. Not, we're, not, mind. we're not members, pal. <laughs> Ian's allowed to go. We can't. Hey, you're plus two. Come on. We have to we'll Zoom. Fuck. We have to be on Zoom with him for an episode. <laughs> it's a live show. He's on stage. It's just our faces <laughs> on, on laptops next to him. <laughs> Like, Those clown ass motherfuckers yeah. aren't coming in here. Yeah. We're members. banned. The pictures are at the door. I'm not do paying members of this group, <laughs> this elite group. Those non believing <laughs> plebes are not coming into our conference. All right. I'm thumbs upping this one. That's all I, I got to say on that. I have trouble. What? 
like I can't fully thumbs up it because of the tomfoolery afterwards, but I do believe the original story. I'm I do. Thumbs upping the original story. Yeah. That's it. I think I am too. I most of these types of things I do believe the initial story, but as soon as it turns into this crazy shit, that's where I tune out the rest of yeah. what people are saying. I'm like, yeah, that yeah. just didn't happen. Calvin, Calvin really does it like you would think someone might do it. I still think I would might initially talk to the military and at the, at the start, but then as soon as that was done and they either dismissed me or, or told me, all right, cool. We'll take note. Then I'd be like, all right, I'm going home. I'm living my life. Cause I'm not going to become a laughing stock. Right. I'm not going to let podcasts make a joke of me and, you know, be like, who was the dude shooting in his bushes? Pew, pew, pew. Oh, Ed Walters. Yeah. That yeah. fucking guy. Like, I'm not going to become that. Right. So I think he did it the right way. And then maybe, you know, later in life, he's like, all right, I'm going to write my book and tell my story. And then that's going to be the end of it. We're team Calvin over here. Team Calvin all the way. And like, I don't even have an issue with leaning into it. Like Travis Walton, you know, he is just Travis Walton. He was abducted and he fully embraced it. And he goes and talks at those types of things and whatever and talks to TV shows. But he deserves that. It happened to him. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, it's I don't, not this crazy lifelong thing for him. He's yeah. just he owns it. Yeah. It didn't get bigger and bigger for him. It was the same story from the beginning. Right. If you want me to come tell it, I'll come tell you my story. It's not going to change. You can read it online. There but was, it, but that's if you're gonna, his life. You're exactly. going to pay. You're going to pay me a few bucks to come stay at the <laughs> Comfort Inn and eat uh, a shitty omelet. <laughs> I'm gonna come tell my story. That's right. Big on the breakfasts on, on the hotels. I've just discovered, even though I'm not a big breakfast eater. Hmm. But I kind of judge a hotel based on the breakfast they offer you. Like, if they don't even offer a breakfast, why Why are you going there? You go like an embassy suites made to order, made to order omelets. <laughs> Just saying. Isn't that weird? Like, I don't even eat breakfast. I don't really eat until I, noon. But if yeah. I'm at a hotel with a free yeah, breakfast, that's what oh, I'm look, s- it's 630. Why am I so hungry? Yeah, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I don't give a fuck about breakfast. Exactly. But when I'm at a hotel, like, I'm at least going to judge if I stay there or not based on what they offer. All I right. might sleep till noon and miss the whole fucking thing. But I like to know what's down there. Right. I, I might stumble to, in I drunk. You might stumble in drunk at 6 a.m. and be like, oh, you got the omelet bar open. <laughs> might eat some of this before I go up to bed. <laughs> I just discovered that about myself. Apparently, I'm very bougie about my hotel breakfast. It's Mr. Fancy Pants. The one thing that I, I watched something recently, I can't remember what it was, but it was something. How are you going to tell us about it? Because oh, Travis Walton was on. <laughs> it was, I don't remember the name this of the turned show. Into a Travis Walton tribute show. I, know. <laughs> I don't remember the name of the show, but it, it's a newer UFO show. It just came out like last year or something. And him and his wife were both on there. Mm. Um, and he was asked about if he wanted to ever see aliens again or experience something. He said he would like to, again, just to know why it happened to him. Because his theory is, is that he, him standing underneath of it like an idiot he fucking got blown away by something. They took him and, you know, maybe healed him back to how the, they were like, Oh shit, we fucking almost mm. killed this dude. Let's yeah. try and make him <laughs> fix him. That's an interesting thought. Th- that's yeah. what he thinks. That's um, not an awful answer though. Like I get that. Yeah. All these years, you probably have some questions. Hmm. And that's a real, that, that seems like a real thing. He that, gets in a room with him. He's like, I have a question. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, I all right. But I would say if anybody's interested, pick up Calvin's book. It's it's a cool book. Sounds good. All right, Dave. What do we got on uh, Patreon? Thank oh, real quick. I'm sorry. What? 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 I even made a note, <laughs> and maybe we can do it after Patreon. But I want to give the teaser now. Okay. People stick around. We need Ian's Mount Rushmore of UFOs. Oh. Uh, I made myself a little notey note, like a smart boy. Of abduction it. stories or just UFO stories? It's up to you, pal. All right. It's up to you. Your favorite four. You want me to do the patrons? Give them a little chance to think oh, about it? Oh, let's do a little teaser. Oh, all right. Yeah, make them wait. <laughs> it's like an encore we're going to do here at the end of the patrons. Yeah. People fucking hitting that 30-second skip button. <laughs> no, <laughs> Thank you to new patrons, Elver Galarga, Atreyu098. You like that band, Ian, Atreyu? Is that an Asking Alexandria uh, type band, Venge Sevenfold, that genre? Uh, their first two albums are like kind of guilty pleasure albums from high school. I remember that song, Becoming the Bull. That's a good that's, Atreyu that's tune, a new, right? That's a newer one. Okay. It's like a middle of the... That's a good tune. Yeah, it's catchy. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Their first two albums were good. All right. Uh, cool, 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 Cam Tucker, Ruby Rodriguez, Shane Aldrich, Shinuko Tononai, Shinuko Tononai, Alyssa Bryans, Tits Palmer, Colin Krupp, <laughs> Ty Girl 1307, Cooch Nicole Bailey, Therese Otto, Laura Glover, Zach Faust, Katie J, Holly, Mads, Wallace Lorian, Teresa Koss, Liz Wollaston, Karis Farr, Morgan Evans, Edging with the Blighton Boys, Courtney Kimball, Trisha Nicole. She's got a hairy beaver, but them lips got grip. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> Dane Olson, the Countess, Mike's long lost son. Oh, how about that? Not interested. <laughs> Alexis, Sierra, Sierra, Sierra. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Hannah Anderson, JS, Stephen Brandt, Michael Brown, Mallory Laser, Tracy Huberts, Methuen Mike Lodica, Samantha Searcy, Ms. K, Ashley Blanchard, Fernando Figueroa Jimenez, Christopher Vitten. Allison Lewis, Elizabeth Hand, Jen, General Badass 420, Daniel Rivas, Cheek Beater 9000. <laughs> That's really funny. Goblin Milk, Stray Maiden Sarah, Terry Thompson, Linz Hodges, Brooklyn Fowler, Seth Gaskins, Ewan Ferguson, Aaron Greer. Life is like a corn dog. Bitches only want my wiener when I have bread. <laughs> and Dan, thank you so much, new patrons. So stupid. I like to think there's some of these people out there that are just paying us money to try to come up with names. Oh, man. But they're just like, ah, oh, here's my dollar, five dollar, ten dollars. I just want you to read this. Some of my artistic uh, thoughts here. 
That's the best one in a while. Life is like a corn dog. <laughs> Bitches only want my wiener when I have bread. <laughs> that is not bad, my friend. Do we, is that original? Do we think that's original? I don't know. I've never seen that before, and that is <laughs> it's pretty excellent. Mm. Ian, you want to do your Mount Rushmore, or you want to do your uh, reviews? Uh, I'll do the reviews first. Oh, we're really making people wait. Give them the old blue balls. <clears throat> Uh, for iTunes, I have one from my dog is my BF, Michael. Awesome Ringo. Awesome Ringo says, this right here is a future of podcasts. You can call this the new world order of podcasting, brother. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> brother. C.R. Davis, Big Sean, C.F.H., M. Johnson, Lauren, 946-327, Snooch Pop, one zero three brick guy zero four and jesse cooper 88 thank you guys for the awesome reviews anything on your end dave i've got one international shout out e bayou 83 thank you so much for your kind review i think it was canada i forgot to write the goddamn town or country again i think it was canada thank you okay my fault and I have a couple uh, military shout-outs. I have the Cuckinator Jr., <laughs> six-year Army vet. And also a new patron, a Treyu098, uh, electronic warfare officer. That sounds fucking badass. That's way smart, way too smart. Flying for an EA-186 growler. Electronic warfare officer. Thank you so much for your service. He's flying growlers. I'm drinking growlers. <laughs> right. We are not the same. <laughs> no, 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 you're not. Nope. That sounds like a really, uh, a really important position. Yeah. yeah. All right, Ian, let's have it. All right. Uh, Betty and Barney Hill, of course. Of course. Wow. Betty. You let crackheads on the mom Rushmore. <laughs> I think Dave's trying to steal my fight with Angela Hill. Uh, say Betty and Dreesen, just because her initial story is really cool. You can do Travis Walton. Yeah, I'll do Travis Walton. Hey, stop with the hints, man. I'm just trying to help him remember. I don't want him to like you know wake up at 2 a.m. this tonight and be like, oh fuck, I forgot to say that and have one of those regrets. He sits up straight in bed and goes, ah. <laughs> if he didn't say Travis Walton, he might have. I, I stand by that. Um, and then I'll put on Indrid Cold Moth, like that whole saga. Okay, Indrid Cold, all right, the smile man. Yeah, thing. he walked out of a UFO. The men in black were coming out of UFOs. There's a lot going right. on there. I, I feel like, like that counts. I like it. That's a good list. It's a real good list. Yeah. Didn't he did not disappoint. You know what else doesn't let you down? Giving us a follow on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, checking us out at patreon.com slash necronomapod and necronomapod.com. Merch still available at Amazon.com. Search Necronomapod. Not that spring shit. Shut that store down. That got shut down. A lot of there issues with that company. Issues. Don't buy anything over there. Apologies to people. <clears throat> We're trying. For with the, the international the, shipping. Yeah, the international shipping was the major you know, impetus for setting that store up, but uh, it's but we, not great. Yeah, we don't want you to order something, and then you have to wait six months just to get it canceled. 
And that's not even like that was happening to us too. Like yeah, we ordered some some stuff and we couldn't get it either. Yeah, really. they're not even giving us our own shit. Yeah, no. We'll have to find something else. We're working on it. Yeah, we'll work on it. Hang in there. We had a request the other day, Dave, you told me about it, where um wanting to know like a list of books or things used for research. Mm-hmm. And we've had that a couple of times. So um I never know what to post on my Instagram. So I'm just gonna start posting there. I'm just gonna start posting a book daily. Whether it's for research or just something I've read, recommended. So All right, that's cool. Follow me on Instagram at Ian underscore Namapod if you want to. Need a book want club. That book list, yeah. You need a book club for uh, when we use books and stuff like that, or even websites. Start posting them in the descriptions too, like Amazon links to the books and stuff. Yeah. On the few episodes I've done, I always try to at least during the show state what sources I've used books and websites and not but maybe we can start posting at least what they are so people can look them up themselves yeah okay all right you guys ready for a cool down beer cheers